As more and more doctors are failing to treat patients with allopathic medicine, they are becoming more open to circadian medicine. Stay tuned to today's episode to find out more. Welcome back to the Sarah Kleiner Wellness YouTube channel. Today I have on Dr. Max Gulhain, and we are going to talk all about how he is implementing circadian medicine with his patients and how he began to see that doctors were becoming just as sick as their patients while working in the hospital setting. I think you're really going to enjoy today's episode and make sure you head down to the show notes to follow Dr. Max on his social media channels, as well as on his YouTube channel. Now, before I jump into today's episode, I want to thank two sponsors. The first one is Viva Rays. They are my go-to source for protecting my circadian rhythms. You can use the code Yogi to save over at Viva Rays and the link will be down in the show notes. The second sponsor is Upgraded Formulas. I'm a huge fan of their hair tissue mineral analysis and absolutely love their magnesium. It is a fantastic way to fill in nutritional gaps that we might be missing from food. And most people are deficient in magnesium. So use the code YOGI12 or YOGI if you've already used that one before to save over at Upgraded Formulas. Let's go ahead and jump into today's episode. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the show. Very excited about today's guest, Dr. Max Gulhain. Thank you so much for being here today. Thank you, Sarah, for having me on. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, I was just talking before I turn on the recording. I think you and I connected, I don't know if it was a year ago or if it was maybe even a little bit longer than that, um, that you were working as a, a an emergency room doctor and you kind of said, all this light stuff you're talking about, I think it's very impactful, like more impactful than, than most doctors even understand. And that kind of switched things up for you. So I'd love to talk about your journey as a doctor and, and, and what you've learned. Yeah. It's uh, funny. Cause when, when we observe things in our life and, and in our work, um, it can, it generates, I guess, hypotheses in our heads and having, having come from a scientific background and, and obviously studied medicine, it's I'm thinking constantly about why things they are the, the way that they are. And you're right. I was working in, in, a, in emergency medicine and at this point I'd already been down um, the kind of the rabbit hole and was um, eating a very low carbohydrate carnivore type diet. And I was looking at my colleagues and the, for those who have had the, displeasure of attending the emergency room as a patient mm -hmm. um, and maybe and maybe a few maybe a few of you in the audience who have attended it as part of um clinical work as a nurse or a doctor and it's it's a very it's a profoundly um unfriendly environment if you're mm -hmm. thinking about um what we need as humans to to thrive um, and everything that you and I are talking about from a, from a circadian uh, and quantum point of view so if you can imagine it's it's a it's windowless um, the emergency rooms are windowless and or they can have some windows, but they're obviously not massive skylights. And there's, uh, there's no um, like airflow mm -hmm. um, other than, you know, air conditioning. So they're very temperature controlled. The the light is constantly, um, you know, blue lit um, uh, fluorescent light the whole time. So, so it's a, this environment is what, what most people are working in. And then in addition to that, it, there's a lot of noise pollution because yes. the 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 cardiac monitoring constant is, is is constant, and you will because every patient, especially in 
um, in in the resuscitation cubicles are hooked up to cardiac monitoring. So um, if people are going into uh, like a, a tachyarrhythmia into a fast heartbeat, you're going to know about it. Um, and depending on the settings of the monitor, you'll just hear beep, 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 beep. Mm-hmm. So it, it's it's a it's a full frontal assault in in many ways yeah. uh, on, on all the senses. And just working in that environment, and I, I love working in it. And despite everything that I'm telling you, it's incredibly interesting work. And the the, the people that that I'm that you work with invariably don't look healthy. And it seems like the longer they they kind of work in this environment, the the less healthy um, they look. And w- what I mean by that is, um, generally people being overweight, and people uh, just looking haggard. You know premature graying in you know mm-hmm. clinicians my age or or you know not even hit their 30s or sorry their 40s um mm-hmm. you know seeing that the gray is coming through and um uh and you know even hair thinning and, and things in in women and and basically you you know you're almost diagnosing uh, mild hypothyroidism in a you know in a colleague just by kind of looking by at their appearance yeah yeah and so, so that is, and and obviously, it's it's not only the environment, but it's the timing of the environment because it's it's obviously shift work. There's three shifts: there's day shift, evening, and night shift. And um, we're, we're inside this um situate this environment um in, in, at the, basically the wrong time from a circadian rhythm point of view. Mm-hmm. So that that kind of um and and you're even talking to some colleagues and the ones that you know me- medical doctors are especially the, the male ones, they love bike riding, they love staying fit. And, uh, you know, you, you, you'll casually hear a comment about, you know, an, an autoimmune disease. And you, you, I look at, I look at the colleague, I'm like, well, he looks like a pretty fit guy. Um, mm-hmm. And then you hear that, that he's, he's dealing with, um, you know, some of the rheumatoid arthritis mm-hmm. and, um, and, and 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 to me, and once you understand the depth to which light regulates our biology and, and our mm-hmm. immune system, then it, it kind of the pieces of the puzzle started um, fitting together. So um, yeah, when when I reached out to you, I was realizing, hang on, the the, the food food is a massive part of this problem. Mm-hmm. But um, even if I ate the the most clean, um, you know, grass fed scotch fillets and and raw oysters every day, if I was doing night shift in the emergency department with my skin exposed and without a pair of blue light blocking glasses on. And I, I definitely still be burning the candle uh, at, mm-hmm. at both ends. And I think that really talks to, you know, this, the the statement that Dr. Jack Cruz made popular, which is, um, you know, you, you, you can't, um, food can't solve a light problem. No. And even if we do have our, our food and our diet down pat, if we're, if we're ingesting this absolutely rubbish junk light diet um, in, in the form of, of, of the the light that I've just described, then we can't we can't possibly be healthy. So um, at, at one point, I, I remember quite distinctly, I was actually doing a night shift in in the hospital, and I'd, I'd been wearing my blue light UVX, you know, the, the cheap mm-hmm. UVX blockers, mm-hmm. um, at, at, at home, and then I was I was I trundled into night shift and was just the computer OLED displays as in oh, addition yeah. to the down lights were just blinding me and. And I thought, hang on, wh- wh- why am I not wearing them here too? And, and I realized that <laughs> that I don't care enough about anyone else's opinion. So I just started wearing my blue light blockers at work, and that was that was a a massive relief. And it's come to the point now that that I really recommend anyone, if they're inter- mm-hmm. interested or in mitigating this, is to wear blue light blockers. Um, you know, cover up your skin. Yes. And maybe we could talk about that as what why that's important and if if you're lucky enough to have a grass patch even if it's working on night shift go outside and and plant your feet in the ground and eat yes. outside 
and I, I really noticed even doing that simple practices improve my sleep when I'm when I'm working in in the ED. So um, yeah, that that's kind of that was a, a little bit about um, how how I was thinking when when we talked initially. But even before that, I think at my journey towards the the circadian and quantum health really mirrored yours, Sarah, um, which was we both started out with significant health benefit from going purely carnivore. Yes. Um, in, in my in my case, it was um, resolving a, a, some quite severe acne um, mm. that essentially just disappeared when I when I got rid of the grains and the carbs. But uh, what I was doing is I, I think, um, and we, we talked about this on my podcast, is I think I was trying to maintain a zero carb approach in in a seasonally inappropriate time. Yes. yes. And 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 the, it seemed to me like the benefit of maintaining that zero carb faded, um, and and the initial kind of burst of energy and the 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 health benefit that I got seemed to kind of um, to disappear. And that's when I went looking for for the next thing and and, and mm-hmm. arrived at these these practices so so that's a little bit of a uh, yeah a background of of how i've got into where where i am at the moment yeah there's so much to unpack there but the whole thing i think that a lot of people that listen to the show that are a part of my community are in that same boat where we did a zero carb and we did a carnivore ketogenic approach and wow amazing things happened but there was a point and for me it was about a year in that it started being negative returns. And it's like, wait a second, I just need to do this harder and do it more. And so for a year, I struggled of just like, all right, I need to fast more. I need to fast less. I need to do high fat. I need to do high protein. I need to cut out dairy. I need to, like, I tried everything that all the carnivores say to do. I did it all and I still was struggling. And that's when I you know, stumbled upon Jack Cruz and, and, you know, an interview was presented to me. Hey, do you want to interview Dr. Cruz? Sure. Of course I do. You know, and it changed everything for me, the way I look at everything. And so I, I see that a lot with people of like, wow, this is amazing. But then they just kind of keep trying to carry it on and carry it on and change it and switch it. And it's like, yeah, cause we're miss you're missing like a foundational piece. And it's like, if you're going to work night shift and you're going to put your body through all of these things, I think you need to do more of a, a ketogenic approach because it's, you know, maybe we could talk about that, of the impact on your mitochondria of doing that kind of approach. But, you know, at some point, I think it's going to catch up to you. Would you say? Oh, hundred percent. And uh, I think I, I, I'm going to have to do a, a bit of a, an explainer video myself about this topic. But if you are to, going to survive in night shift, um, you essentially <laughs> need to be, I would say, zero carb. I, um, I agree. And, and and the reason for that is because um, obviously there's there's diurnal changes in our insulin sensitivity, mm-hmm. and so the moment the sun goes down, we're going to become relatively more physiologically in, insulin resistant, and so. If we're we're trying to stay up all night, um, uh, what basically what I found out is the most sustainable way of doing it is, I would um, I would not eat. So not that's eat what I was going to say. That's what I tell people yeah. to do if they have to work night shift. I'm like, eat before, but fast all the way through your shift. So that is that what you yes. use? Yeah, yeah. And that's hard exactly. for a lot of people that aren't fat adapted. You know exactly. So so I would just take a, a you know a liter bottle of spring water and. Mm-hmm. Um, work work through on my break. I would just drink spring water, um, have a nap in my half an hour break, um, go, or go outside, 
and 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 then when I got home, I would immediately go to sleep. Mm-hmm. So um, I, I wouldn't be trying to go to sleep on a on a full stomach. Mm-mm. And then when I wake up, maybe four p.m., five p.m., I would go immediately outside, plant my feet in the ground, get that sunlight in, and then eat you know one mm-hmm. one big meal. So um, it, 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 the, the, those are the kind of the mitigation measures you have to put in place if mm-hmm. you want to survive doing doing night shift and living in that profoundly circadian um, uh, disturbed environment. Mm-hmm. And I think anything less than that, you're going to start looking like the the, the unhealthy colleagues you, you, you're going to start putting on visceral fat um you, and, and there's a fascinating paper and i'll mention it quickly um it's a it was a rat study that i that i recognized that i read recently and what they did is they 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 put one two groups of rats and one of them they um they kept the diet the same and they put one of them on essentially a shift work mimicking light environment so mm. for six months a profoundly circadianly dis- disturbed um environment and then they looked at the architecture of their adipose tissue and what they found was that and just remember these rats are eating the same diet what they mm-hmm. found is that the ones that were working shift work had um fibrosis they had adipocyte hypertrophy they had um uh, infl- inflammatory markers were raised um, and the, the rats were insulin resistant so it was it pointed to this fascinating point which is the, the circadian disruption is re- re- lowering your fat threshold so if we mm-hmm. think about the point at which people become metabolically unwell mm-hmm. that is when you start storing energy in tissues other than your subcutaneous um white adipose fat depots so it spills out into your abdominal um uh, abdominal cavity in, in terms of visceral fat it spills out into the liver um in, into the muscles or all, all, all these um into the pancreas so so that is when someone's exceeding their fat threshold but this study essentially proved that um circadian disruption on its own was sufficient to kind of lower one's um fat threshold and make them metabolically sick so um that i guess is one explanation or a way of thinking about and why people get um, metabolic disease when they're when they're doing uh, shift work, but yeah, all, all that to say, it is possible to um, to kind of mitigate that processed food, the, the processed light um, shift work environment. But you have to be very intentional and yes. very motivated. <laughs> it's I not agree. easy. Yeah, I've had a lot. I have a course called Circadian Health for the Busy Person, and I talk about this because I I was you know when I started talking about circadian health and how shift work has actually been shown in some studies to be carcinogen, (laughs) you know, like that's pretty significant. And so I would get a lot of nurses and doctors reaching out to me of like, how do I, what do I do? You know, so I kind of created a course about it, but essentially you just summed up a lot of it is like, you got to wear the blue blockers. You can't eat, um, fasting and more keto. Those sorts of things are extremely important. And, uh, that's tough. Like a lot of people, when I, you know, have gone to the hospital, my daughter, unfortunately has been hospitalized a few times over the last year. Um, we had a week in August that we were in the hospital and it was just horrifically eye-opening. Like you said, the people that are working in the hospital, are working so hard and they are wonderful people and they care so much about the patients. Uh, I met so many lovely people, but I'm just kind of, from my standpoint of health coach, like looking at them, like, wow, very unhealthy, um, young. It's sad. It it, it is sad because um, yeah, yeah, the emergency team, the nurses um, and the doctors are some of the most skilled and hardworking yes. people uh, in, the, in the hospital. And it's just, it's, it's really tragic to see mm-hmm. um, them, you know, bearing such a 
such a heavy personal cost for oh, yeah. kind of being in an environment where they're looking after other people. And, 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 and I mean, just to hammer the home, home, the point, you can really tell when the night shift is coming on because unfortunately they, their BMIs, um, Way their, their higher, weight. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's notice, so noticeable. And, and a lot you know, of them wear glasses too. A lot of them. And I, it's because I think they're looking at these computer screens all night long you know, like literally staring at a computer screen like this all night long. And we know that that unfiltered blue light in increases myopia. Like that's pretty well established in the literature as well. So it's, yeah. And then, then once you get into myopia, like you are opening yourself up for a host of other issues because you've got to wear the glasses, right? Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. Um, they're not, not making any enough dopamine cause they're not probably mm -hmm. seeing that morning sunlight. So yeah. that's affecting the shape of their globe and yet yeah, they're, they're, they're going to be developing, um, myopia and yeah, it's, it, it is sad. And I, I really hope that, um, we can get this message out to people like emergency room doctors, because even something as simple as wearing some blue light blockers, mm -hmm. um, would be helpful. I mean, I, for, for many years, I've been the only one kind of, uh, wearing them and people, a couple of people would ask me about it and I'd happily show them and, and, and give them my glasses to put on. But it's uh, essentially like a warm hug for your brain when you, mm -hmm. when you wear, when you wear blue blockers. So, uh, uh yeah, I, I, I definitely, um, recommend it. Um, I'll also make the point about your Jack Cruz interview. And I think, I actually think that was this jumping off point for me, um, mm. to, to go down Dr. Jack's, Jack's work. And um, I, I remember that I listened to it a, a good couple of times that, uh, interview, uh, with with Dr. Cruz and um, the idea of uh, trying to make uh, maintain, I guess, the same diet all throughout the whole season. Yes, it, it's a it's a it's a fractal. If if we've just mentioned that there's a um, a circadian or diurnal reg, uh, variation in insulin sensitivity, then if we basically just take that up another level, like a fractal, we can imagine that there's a seasonal variation in yes. insulin sensitivity. So, yes. I mean, that's the simple reason why we shouldn't try and eat um, the same diet uh, mm -hmm. the, the the whole year round right. once we're metabolically well, um, if we're living at a latitude other than the equator. And I think, um, you know, both sides of this argument, the people that are arguing for um, all, all keto carnivore the whole year round and those arguing for all fruit consumption the whole year round, mm -hmm. both of both and missing the point, yes. um, which is yes. which is what I just mentioned. Well, yeah, I mean, there's extensive literature to show that your microbiome is different in the summer than it is in the winter, that your thyroid hormone, your sex hormones, they all are different between summer and winter. Insulin sensitivity, all of that changes. And the dominant hormone in the summer is vitamin D. And during the winter, it should be melatonin that actually helps protect those vitamin D stores. But people they get so caught up in these like diet wars that they are unable to just kind of understand how nature works. And that's all that this is. It's not like, and to me, I don't know about you, there's a great deal of freedom in understanding like, okay, if I'm in Costa Rica uh, and I'm insulin sensitive, leptin sensitive, I could enjoy some of that amazing tropical fruit that's down there, you know, not go wild, you know, and put myself into... <laughs> have too much of it, but like, you can enjoy these things. Like that's what they're meant to do. But if I'm, you know, here where I live in the middle of winter, it's cold, rainy, and you know, UV index is low. It doesn't make sense for me to slam a banana, pineapple, and, you know, a bunch of spinach into Coconut the blender water. and coconut. Oh gosh, that's been, <laughs> I don't know if you've been watching my page lately. I've been kind of yeah. ragging on coconut water. Yeah. Oh my Lord. Sarah's punching bag. 
oh, they get so angry about the coconut water. Why can't I have coconut? I'm like, you can have whatever you want. I don't really care. Have coconut water in December if you want it. But let's just talk about how that doesn't really make sense. Are there coconuts growing outside your door? And like, do you understand deuterium? Like, because the coconut water is what, 155 parts per million. Uh, you don't have the ability to deplete deuterium in the winter. There's not the strong UV available that can actually assist your body in that process. So you don't, you know, it's, it's such a layered conversation uh, that people, yeah, they get very triggered over the coconut water. Yeah. I, I really, I really like the carnival to circadian kind of um, pathway. I really think it's a, mm. it's an elegant and it makes sense mm-hmm. um, in terms of a healing journey because if we're thinking about the the average person in your country in the US and in my country Australia, and we think about the prevalence of metabolic disease and oh, yeah. you know, there's the one study that that basically showed that 88% of 88%. the US have at least mm-hmm. one marker of metabolic disease. Um, it's it's a really elegant way to start on carnivore. Um, mm-hmm. Use that to get your fasting insulin, you know, below yeah. below five, um, below four. Get your HbA1c back into a normal range, you know, un, under um, five point seven, under five point six. Um, get rid of your visceral fat with with your carnivore, um, and particularly, and then you're kind of ready to understand or take the next step in many ways with with a circadian practice. And I'm not saying everyone has to do that, but I. I commonly see that's the kind of um, direction and and stepwise progression that people um, make. Yeah, a lot of people just have this mental block about limiting the carbs, you know, and I don't necessarily force everyone to do carnivore or even keto if they're trying to lose the weight and become more metabolically healthy. I just say we need to take them down and I have, you know, specific thresholds depending on the amount of weight people want to lose and things like that. I kind of have a system in place. Um, but there is a huge, uh, I think people just get so angry when you say something like eating too many carbohydrates is going to cause you to be insulin resistant and leptin resistant. And they, it's again, it's like one of those things talking about drinking coconut water in the winter that people just get all up in arms about. So how do you run into that a lot? And if so, how do you kind of explain that to people? Yeah, it, it it's um I think it's a reflection of the fact that um you know the vast majority of people are um e- either admitted or un- unadmitted carbohydrate addicts. Mm-hmm. And I say that in the most um loving and and kind of <laughs> respectful way. Um, but I think it's the reality and and you know we as humans are hardwired to crave sweet things and yes. And if we're simulating a Franken summer with our artificial light environment, again, we're going to, of course, going to be craving um, sweet foods because the physiological role of of that um, of summer is to, um, you know, and especially um, going into winter is to stock up on our, our energy sources and um, especially easily accessible ones like fructose. So, and I, I, the way I explain it is. Um, and this is, I think, a, a pillar of of uh, lifestyle change is that I say, I'm not here to tell you what to do. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm here to give you options and yes. you can do this as fast or as slowly as you want. Um, mm-hmm. And if you want to go full full um, guns blazing and, you, you know, you can do a strict zero carb and you can do, you can go sprinting, you can 
um, you know, build your solar cast with, you know, a, a, a amount of uh, ultraviolet light and, and and you can do some fasting and some people like to do that and other people like, well, no, I don't, I'm not ready for that for whatever reason. And then, you know, you, you can just say, okay, we'll try and keep under X amount of carbohydrates. And, mm-hmm. and I, and, and I think that's the nuance of, you know, of, of this whole game that um, you are in, in terms of lifestyle coaching is, really having the skill and, and nuance to be able to offer people exactly what, what they need and what they're willing to change um, based on their unique situation. Yeah, I agree. I just have to be ready for it, I think. Um, and that's what I run into a lot as people that they have all these issues and they, you know, they don't feel well, but they're, they're just not willing to make these changes. And it's like, <sighs> I don't really know an alternative for you. You know, I, I don't really have a great answer if you're not willing to wear blue blockers and you're not willing to try to change your food. Like I had someone getting massively upset because, you know, I said, I don't want you eating any processed foods. And they were like, that's too restrictive. <laughs> like, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Pe- pe- people have to hit rock bottom and, and, and I, and I think about it like a balance beam, you, you know, the, the discomfort, and the the symptoms or the whatever that they are the being overweight um mm-hmm. self consciousness your autoimmune systems your joint pain um w- w- whatever that number that fasting glucose is whatever that is causing someone to be feeling bad about themselves or uncomfort that that feeling has to exceed yeah it has to be greater than the threshold of energy that has to be mobilized to make a lifestyle change yeah. and until that 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 balance beam is kind of exceeds no one's going to do anything you don't that person isn't going to make any changes and for every every individual that that equation is different and some people only need the slightest amount of um discomfort to you know f- f- to turn off the breaker to their their bedroom and uh you right. know buy a magnetico sleep pad and mm-hmm. um you know you know throw their ipad um off the local cliff but uh <laughs> for other other people that they'll, they'll come out of hospital um you know with a quadruple bypass and they'll drink a can of coke and smoke a right. dart i mean so i mean and i'm i'm not here to judge that person i'm not here to judge anyone um it's just, just like reflect- do you want to live that way that's the question and that's that yeah, yeah that's all we can do is provide the information and say hey this mm. is something that could vastly improve your quality of life um but if you don't want to do it like we're not here to force anyone or even talk down to anybody who doesn't want to do these things it's just like here's exactly. an option for you right yeah yeah, yeah. Yeah. I hope you're enjoying today's episode with Dr. Max Goulhane. I wanted to thank you again for watching today's episode and remind you to head on down to the show notes to check out Dr. Max, follow him on social media, as well as today's sponsors. I also wanted to remind you to check out my free resources. If you're new here and just want to get started on your health journey, it's www.sarahkleinerwellness.com and just go to the free resources section. I also have a plethora of courses in all price ranges to help people if they want to learn a little bit more than what is available in those free resources. But again, thank you so much for listening or watching today's episode. Make sure to leave us a like or a comment. And I look forward to talking with you again soon. So do you ever uh, have the opportunity to have these sorts of conversations with patients? That's a question I have. And because um, I know you do work a little bit in fertility as well. Is that right? Yeah. So so my, my clinical work, I, I basically um, don't have uh, shorter than half an hour, which is kind of most more than most um, family doctors. So that that gives me a, a more than more than nothing in terms of talking about these types of 
of topics. And but it's it's not kind of it's it's not a huge amount of time. And that's another reason why I made the podcast is because it, it was a, another tool to be able to give to people and say, go, go, go away, listen to this. And then, you know, if you have questions, then kind of come back and we can we can talk. So um yeah, it, it, it's difficult, um, and especially within the kind of the healthcare model, um, the centralized healthcare model, it's um, like it's not set up to to favor or, or support people with these kind of the important lifestyle changes they need to to reverse their disease and get out of this kind of track because it's it's like a railroad track. People on a railroad track off a cliff. Um, that, 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 that's the direction of the railroad track. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the railroad track is littered with, um, train stops that involve medications and, um, you know, oral medications and then injectable medications and then Mm -hmm. procedures. And that's the kind of, that's the track that, that they're on and the ability to kind of change tracks is time consuming. And especially as for us as clinicians. So that's why I I respect what you're doing with, um, and I've just started doing a a circadian health course because I think a type of like group coaching is a really a good way to scale um, this, this, this ability to help people and um, support them in, in their lifestyle change. So I'm really excited about that. And, and that's, that's this, this whole idea of decentralized health. And Mm -hmm. again, Dr. Cruz talks about this a lot, but Mm -hmm. the the solutions to a lot of, um, I think collectively are going to come from a decentralized point of view and, and they're not going to come from, from the centralized system, um, Mm -hmm. which, I mean, obviously we both see that that's, um, that's the case. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's unfortunate and it's, uh, Dr. Sarah Pugh, she's actually been staying with me for the last couple of weeks and, um, she's just shocked at the American healthcare system. I mean, it's like just the, uh, the amount of like, let's, and I don't know if Australia is similar, but just instead of kind of digging deeper for root cause, it's just like, let's give a medication that may not even be necessary, you know, uh, like for a virus, let's do uh, steroids, you know, like let's just overdo, let's push it and not spend any time with the patient and let's just throw medications on it. And then the functional medicine model, I don't think is any better. I know she just did a a new interview with Cruz that probably will be out by the time this comes out, but she just did one that was like two and a half hours long, I think the day before yesterday. And that was just kind of what they were talking about is this functional medicine model, because a lot of people go to, um, you know, they go to allopathic, they realize, no, I don't need all these medications. I don't want to take all these medications. So I'll do functional medicine and it's like supplements and testing and you're spending thousands of dollars and it's almost kind of like not much better than, uh, and I actually think it's kind of worse in some, some regards than the allopathic model. Cause at least the allopathic model can save a life. You know, if you like with my daughter, if we hadn't been able to get her to the hospital in August and have them take care of her, she would have passed, you know? And so there is like a, a need for allopathic medicine. Um, but just for myself and for my daughter trying to do testing and supplements and figure things out that way, it's just been like massively frustrating. And so I would love to hear your take on just from, you know, a standard doctor who's trying to look at more decentralized medicine, what you kind of think of that model. Yeah. It's, it's not as popular in Australia as, as the U S the yeah. whole functional medicine space. Um, I have seen a couple of patients kind of, you know, see expensive um, functional medicine doctors and then, you know, end up being charged 
for the testing and 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 for the supplements and you know the clinic was making money on on the testing and and the supplements um so i i agree and and not to say that certain um functional med- medical doctors might be able to provide people with a lot of, of benefit and and especially when it comes to these kind of chronic and lifestyle conditions because as you mentioned um of course we need allopathic medicine we need the emergency mm-hmm. department for for, yeah, for the multi vehicle trauma yeah. We, we need it for, um, you know, the, the acute myocardial infarction. We need it for the, um, you know, the ruptured AAA. We need, of course, we need yeah. the, the system. But um, the, the problem is um, when we're trying to, uh, I guess, prevent disease or um, address lifestyle problems, both in the, the allopathic where, where, where we're prescribing medications, you know, centralized cardiology will, will prescribe it. You know, it's the go-to is, is the statin. Um, and for the functional medicine, yeah, like you said, they're, they're kind of loading up people with with a bunch of pills and mm-hmm. supplements. And maybe that they are useful for a certain amount of time, but I don't see that there's not a lot of difference if you have to take an expensive um, supplement for the rest of your life compared to an expensive statin compared to a statin prescription for the rest of your life. So uh, I see what you're saying in terms of the the, the similarity there. And and the, another interesting point about that is is the deuterium. And we mentioned deuterium yes. earlier, but I, I, I had a chat to Stephanie Seneff, who is probably you know the 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 queen of of glyphosate and its effect mm-hmm. on human health. And it's fascinating to talk to her because she's come to the deuterium story. Um, not essentially from quantum, but but from a different uh, lens. And she's working lens a little more, right? Very, very yeah. much. And she's working with you know Dr. Laszlo Boros and mm-hmm. um, and learning that that when we're ingesting glyphosate in the form of that's um, basically a residual contaminant of processed foods and and a whole bunch of crops because they're essentially spraying it to kill the crop and to it's it's basically aiding in the expedited harvesting of 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 crops so it's 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 not there we're not just getting um crops to kind of improve health we're doing it because it's uh, a a critical way of improving the economics of industrial monocrop agriculture so the glyphosate's uh, it appears to be um, contaminating people's food and it's essentially um interfering with our ability to deuterium deplete um, mm-hmm. ourselves so what she made the point is that we're at, like our body has these ex- exquisitely fine-tuned and evolved mechanisms to um to basically get rid of deuterium and put um protium or, or that that uh, protium isotope in in molecules that have a critical biological function so what happens when you take a supplement that's been manufactured in a lab is that um that there, there's no such quality control because you don't have right. this ex- exquisite and expensive process of um, deuterium depleting the supplements. So people can inadvertently, and um, it appears to be um, loading themselves up with this biologically incompatible isotope of um, hydrogen by taking um, all, all these manufactured supplements, which is probably having the opposite of, of, of the intended effect. Yeah. It's the like, here's all these supplements for your mitochondria. And what you're actually doing is like throwing a freaking basketball into the nanomotor of your mitochondria and like slowing it down. And that's what I think people don't realize with a lot of these supplements. And that's what drives me crazy about a lot of these like functional medicine doctors that are like, let's improve your mitochondrial health. Here are the top 10 supplements. And I'm like, no, (laughs) why aren't you talking about deuterium? Why aren't you talking about light and the impact of light on the mitochondria? That's very well documented in the literature, you know? 
Um, even grounding and mitochondria is documented in the literature as well. There's so many of these in cold, you know, there's so many of these things that are natural and free uh, that don't involve swallowing pills that people can do to improve their mitochondrial health. And I think that's what the most frustrating thing is when you kind of know these things um, and you're watching all this, <laughs> you know, kind of take place. It's it's very irritating. Yeah, and I, I think the the crux of the decentralized movement is is promoting these highly effective uh, lifestyle interventions that are, that are essentially free, right. because um all, all, all the other approaches um that we that we're talking about and we're um you know casting discredit or discrediting is that because someone's making money um mm -hmm. no no one's making money when you when you stand barefoot on the grass and see right. the sunrise no one's making money when you hop in the in the local river um there's a river near me um in, in albury and and do some cold plunging mm -hmm. like no one's making money barefoot sprinting on the beach right. so um the, the critical i think that's the critical point here is and and the decentralized approach to health is really going to be um advocating for those free interventions because that's what's most effective um in terms of healing people absolutely yeah and what are some interesting success stories you've seen with clients because i know you have been working with people as well like you've got the whole uh emergency room doctor but you also see clients as well is that correct yeah yeah and and i'm uh at the moment i'm on a bit of leave from clinical work but mm. the some of the most interesting um uh, I'll share one that that I had a, a patient who had uh, Parkinson's disease, mm -hmm. and for the listeners, you basically Parkinson's disease is the the loss of these special um, neurons in in a part of your brain, and um, that that involved in making dopamine. And this situ in this situation, it's needed for the initiation of movement. So, if you see someone you know walking on the street with a very stooped um, shuffling gait. Um, that with with no arm swing and, and kind of a blank expression on their face, then you can basically diagnose that, that that's a that's a kind of spot diagnosis of Parkinson's disease, and it's it's one of these neurodegenerative diseases that um we're seeing that's rising in 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 incidence and that oh, yeah. uh, essentially essentially has a, a mitochondrial etiology, and um when when we when we understand how critical um mitochondria are to to the functioning of um, or, or the etiology of all these diseases, when we cl collectively, when the mitochondria start failing in the cell and that happens in a specific organ, then you get like a manifestation, like something like Parkinson's disease. So what what a, a fascinating thing to that, that worked for him is that he had quite prominent um, uh, voice symptoms. So essentially he would uh he, he he would lose his voice um throughout the mm. day and and what what he was doing and he was obviously he was eating a, a quite low carb diet but what was making the difference for him was getting out in that morning sun um and mm. grounded and just that practice would was really Im improving his uh his, his voice symptoms and um it makes sense when when we understand um, what, what these are doing for our mitochondrial function. And you could see how that, that early morning um, infrared light was probably charging up um, his, his, his body electric and it was improving his, his mitochondrial function. So I, I think anecdotes like these are really elegant and N equals one kind of proof of concept of the benefits of what, what we're kind of advocating from, for, from a circadian and, and quantum health point of view. And 
it it it's, it makes so much sense when when um and it's very satisfying when you understand or you can see the theory and then it it bears out in terms of someone's benefit when they that when the patient is actually implementing them um in 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 real life so yeah that that was a particularly interesting case that 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 I had recently yeah that's really fascinating and i've seen people with like these really complicated conditions that you think like oh they're going to need all this intensive uh, extra stuff and they just do the morning routine and it's like pain is gone. Like I've had people with like pretty advanced cancers start to do this stuff and all of a sudden they're, they're having relief from pain. And I mean, it's pretty remarkable how that works. Um, yeah. So that's really interesting yeah. to hear. And and the beauty is that none of these are, are in opposition to their standard medical treatments. Right. And, 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 I'm, and I'm never going to um, I'm never going to advocate for dispensing with their their prescribed treatments for mm-hmm. for these lifestyle measures, but they're they're so complementary and they're so um, they can be done at the same time. So yeah. um, it's it's fantastic because kind of um, yeah, every, we're, we're really helping someone in a way that um, they're, they're finding um, material benefit from. Absolutely, yeah, I think that's what's so great about all this stuff. It's like if you have a disease and you want to take medication for it and work with your doctor, you can do all of this stuff and it's not going to contraindicate anything at all. If anything, it's just going to support what you're doing. And maybe even I've had so many people that get off medications, you know, and I never say do my program and you're going to get off your medications and just figure it out yourself. I always encourage people to continue working with their doctor and continue monitoring labs and things like that, because the amount of women that have come down on their thyroid medications or come off thyroid medications from just doing these really simple things is pretty astounding because they don't understand how this morning sunlight plays into thyroid hormone and the production in the body. And they start doing it. They remove the inflammatory foods that could be contributing to thyroid issues. And then all of a sudden they're like, I'm feeling anxious. I'm having this. I'm like, they're having hyperthyroid symptoms. I'm like, go get your blood work done. I bet you money right now that you're going to need to come down off your <laughs> thyroid medication. It's happened so many times. And every time I'm like, oh, <laughs> you know, there's another one. And it's like, they just don't even believe that this stuff can work because it's so simple. But I mean, it's super powerful, would you say? Yeah, amazing. Yeah, for, completely. And and that that is again a really good reason um to 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 still see your GP or yes. your local doctor because um what what you mentioned Sarah is that um someone can become clinically hyperthyroid because mm-hmm. they're essentially they might be on 75 100 micrograms of a of a thyroxine supplement um and they're becoming so much more thyroid sensitive because they're doing yes. everything that that we're talking about with regard to um, sunlight um, and grounding and 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 dietary changes, and that essentially means is that they're they're actually being they're overdosed. They've got too much on board mm-hmm. for um w- w- what their therapeutic um state their disease is, and the same thing we see with with uh, type two diabetes, and um it's very important if anyone is doing a low carb carnivore approach to diabetes to really um see a, a doctor first because yes um, we we essentially need to discontinue um a, a range That's of medications, fine. particularly yeah. the SGLT two inhibitors, and we need to uh, at times very very um markedly reduce 
um, exogenous uh, insulin, supplemental insulin mm-hmm. before anyone tries this. So um, again, it's another call to don't no, don't necessarily dis- dispense with your regular doctor because right. you're still going to need them, but mm-hmm. um, stay in touch with them and um, tell them about the benefit you're getting because mm-hmm. there's a bi-directional information transfer there. Yes. And, and the more kind of um, doctors and GPs that um, hear success stories like the ones that you've just told, Sarah, um, the more that collectively we're going to um, be able to deliver better, better care for, for patients and people. Absolutely. I think that's so important, you know, that we understand and doctors see the value in, in these sorts of things. It's like, you know, you can't deny it once you see it in a number of patients that it's, it's real. And so I think that we have to be the ones to, to educate the doctors and you are in a unique position because you are a doctor and you're able to pass it along to patients and then to other colleagues as well and have these conversations um, because you, you know, the whole time that all the different times we've been in the hospital (laughs) with my daughter, I'm the only one wearing the blue blockers. No one else is wearing them. I haven't seen one doctor or one nurse or one, you know, anybody PA or anybody wearing blue blockers. Uh, And I'm like, wow, how, how can like nobody know about this? Because uh, I don't know about you. I I think you've kind of stated this already, but my partner, Carrie and I were talking on our podcast last week of how once you kind of get into this stuff and blocking the artificial light at night, if you are, if you go somewhere after sunset and you're under these lights, it's kind of like jarring to your nervous system. Like you have like a visceral (laughs) visceral reaction to it yeah it's like oh my gosh I can't you know it's it's yeah even during the day I don't like to go anywhere with like super bright overhead lights I'll put on my yellow blue blockers because it's just yeah just kind of jarring to the nervous system completely yeah definitely and and I'm really excited on, on that point of kind of helping change and I really think that it's going to be it's going to be a gradually then suddenly type thing and it only takes you know, a, a couple of people to set an example and then everyone follows. And and I really think team, you know, team leaders have, have a disproportionate kind of sway. So, you know, the, if the nursing team leader starts wearing blue blockers, mm-hmm. um, then all her, all, all the kind of staff under her will might start wearing them. And uh, I really think if there's anyone listening who is in a leadership position, if you kind of just lead by example, you'd be surprised at how, how quickly um, everyone else kind of um, adopts these kinds of practices. It's definitely not linear. It's, it's, uh, mm-hmm. it's uh, gradually, and then it's all, all at once. But um, we, we, we've one of some of the uh, metabolic doctors here in Australia are uh, starting up a chapter of the metabolic associ- uh, metabolic health uh, doctors association in the in the US, which is essentially a bit of a protocol about um, helping GPs reverse metabolic disease with low carb and and uh, mm. a, a low carb approaches. And so I'm I'm really excited to be working with them. And I guess. Um, they're, they're mostly focused on on insulin resistance and the dietary yeah. causes of insulin resistance. But I, I really want to kind of emphasize leptin and emphasize how um, our circadian rhythm can influence leptin resistance and how dysregulation of leptin is is even preceding what's going on with with insulin. insulin. So yeah. I, yeah, I'm very I'm, I'm optimistic um, about things changing, and I think that as long as we continue to to prioritize what's going to be best for the patient, then we're we're going to we're on the right track. Absolutely. Absolutely. And you mentioned that you're doing some kind of online courses right now. Maybe we can talk a little bit more about that and what those entail. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for asking. So I I just launched a a 30 day um, circadian health kind of reset course, and it's essentially 
walking people through the real the, the basics of um how to optimize um their circadian rhythm so mm. i've got a couple of lessons about the background and why it's important um and we can you can watch that for free on my youtube channel um one of those videos and then i basically just step people through practical things and uh, we obviously talk about the role of morning sun the role of um, getting out um throughout the day and kind of getting that circadian synchronization, checking in with the sun. Um, we talk about obviously blocking artificial light, um, circadian meal timing, um, mm -hmm. this whole idea of it's not only what you eat, but when you're eating. When? Um, so, so a whole, whole range of basically intro topics. And we, I've, I've got a, we've got a supportive group where we can, we can post questions and we're doing a, a weekly Q and a. So, um, yeah, I, I think it's, it's a it's a good way of again um help, helping people in a in a way that they they also feel supported um and they can um, make sense of this there's a lot of information out there make sense of, of of the information in a in a digestible way so yeah if people are interested in that then then go to my website or um there's links all throughout my social media um to where they can sign up I'm, I'm basically starting at the beginning of every month so the next nice. one will be at uh, December 2nd Great. I'll make sure I put that into the show notes as well in case anybody wants to join one of those. Because sometimes it can help to be in a group setting when you are uh, starting these things and implementing these things because a lot, you know, people in your daily life are not doing it. My family still doesn't wear blue blockers. It's been really yeah. fun to have Dr. Sarah stay here because my husband has been thinking I'm crazy, but now I have somebody else, you know doing all the same things and he is like listening to her <laughs> he's yeah. like oh so th wh that's why sarah gets mad if i turn on the lights like she like yeah sometimes if you're <laughs> if you're trying to tell your family members they're less likely to listen to you but they'll listen to somebody else so it's uh that's why i think the group support is so vital for people when they're starting these things because your family is going to just be like eh, you yeah. know the yeah the say the saying is that uh, no man is a prophet in his own land, uh, mm -hmm. or, or no woman no woman is a prophet in her own own land. It means that uh, yeah, often people need an external voice to uh, yeah. say the exact same thing before they they listen. But um, I think that the the scale of the kind of problem that we are facing and the kind of the job that we have in terms of educating people on circadian health um, and and what they can do is is so is so massive that um, I think the more people that uh, have an offer that um so someone can relate to the better and and yes. obviously you you've got um circadian health courses carrie sarah um you know everyone's everyone's got something and, and i think the more the better and it's yeah. just a, an option and people just have options and if they right. don't like one they can try another um yeah. and maybe they they gel with someone rather than someone else so uh, yeah. i think that's going to be the 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 crux or one of the kind of hallmarks of it, this decentralized medicine movement is is real um patient empowerment in in mm -hmm. in their options and 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 the, the, it's the opposite of kind of like going into one doctor and getting one opinion and then not not being able to challenge that or not feeling safe or comfortable yes. getting second opinions in, in in this decentralized world that we're we're moving towards it's 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 competitive but it's also beneficial because whatever um whatever is going to be most suited to you as as the patient and the the client is going to be um you're going to be empowered yeah and, and like i think the cool thing about this community is that all of us really are supportive of one another and uh it's not there's you know, I've had some negative experiences, unfortunately, in the food, uh, in the food space of people with just with this lack mindset that are competitive and uh, can be hateful. And I haven't experienced that in this kind of what I call the quantum 
uh, quantum space that all of us really support one another. And there's people that are going to resonate better with you, or I have people that resonate more with Carrie because they need a scientific explanation for everything. And she really can break things down so brilliantly. And then there's people that are like, my eyes are glazing over listening to that. I need Sarah to yeah. kind of make this more <laughs> understand, you know, digestible. Yeah. And so there's just so many different voices, but all of us really do support one another. And, you know, I send people to your YouTube channel constantly to listen to the Dr. Cruz series, because I feel like that series of videos that you did with Cruz are probably the best videos that I've heard of him with anyone over the years of all the cruise videos I've listened to. So you have a Thank very you. amazing gift at like extracting that information. Cause it can be, you know, when Cruz decides he's going to talk about something, like <laughs> you just have to let him, he's going to talk about it. And it's, he has something important to say, but you did a really beautiful job of um, just kind of guiding this conversation that I think has helped so many people. Um, so all of us, yeah, we, we, we want to help and, and get people, thinking differently about their health would you say definitely definitely and yeah th thanks for the kind words it's uh it's going to take all, all kinds um yes. and yeah the 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 goal here is to help people live their most optimal life and um and, and we're up against it with the modern environment but yeah we're, we're all kind of trying to do our best in you know in the in the best way that we each individually can yeah Absolutely. Well, I'm going to put all of your links and your program, everything in the show notes. I'll make sure to get that from you. Um, if people are just listening, maybe driving, what's a great way to just find you and find some of your information? Yeah. So, so you can go to um, my website, drmaxgulhane.com. And or you can um, find me on Instagram, Dr. underscore Max underscore Gulhane, G-U-L-H-A-N-E. So that that's kind of, there's a link to to my link tree and you can see see my YouTube, my my Instagram and all kinds of things. And um, we, we, so I'm going to continue to um, release podcasts. I'm going to continue to, um, to, to do my, the circadian health course. Um, and then next year we we've got some exciting things coming up with in in-person events. Oh. So in Australia, I, I'm, I'm basically along with, uh, Simon Lewis of how to carnival, we've, we started a in-person event that basically blends these three pillars of what I, I believe people need to thrive, um, in, in this world. And that's circadian and quantum health, um, low carb carnivore and kind of seasonal eating and regenerative farming. And, and the regenerative oh. farming is important because yes. we, we need a way to sustain and, and regeneratively supply the most highest quality food to people. So, so we're going to be doing hosting those events um, around Australia um, next year, and, and that's going to be a great way to kind of make contact with people. And Jalal Khan, who you've had on the podcast, oh yeah, I love um, Jalal. Yes, yeah, he's he's uh, he's one of our speakers, and and Dr. Anthony Chafee um, as well. So um, we're going to be kind of carrying this message um, in, in the form of talks, in the form of in person meetups. So so that's kind of a bit of a preview about what I'm what I'm up to. Um, but yes, go go to my Instagram or, or even or Twitter too, um, and and follow the links and um, and and watch my videos and yeah, get in touch. Fantastic. Well, I'll have that all in the show notes. And uh, yeah, thank you so much for coming on today. It's been really wonderful to chat with you. 
Great. Thank you, sir. I uh, really appreciate your work. I hope you enjoyed today's episode with Dr. Max Schoolhane. If you did, make sure you head on over to Apple or Spotify, leave the show up to a five-star review, and it will really, really help to get the show out to more people. Also share it in a Facebook group, Instagram, anywhere you can would greatly, greatly appreciate it. I also want to thank again, Viva Rays and Upgraded Formulas for being such awesome sponsors of the show and remind you to head over to my website if you want free resources and then of course courses to really help you dive deeper into this information and take control of your health. It is www.sarahclinerwellness.com. Again, I appreciate you for being here, being a part of this really, really amazing community and look forward to talking with you again next week.